we sing our Christmas songs, I, I've always uh, liked the way we do it. I mean, I guess it's, always, it's good, I guess, when you come and worship and you, you get to hear those songs. But even in my own life, the, there's a certain, uh, for me, it's on my Apple Music. I have a podcast uh, or, or an uh, Apple Music uh, folder that has all my Christmas songs. And I got Mannheim Steamroller and some dude named David Arkenstone and then all kinds of stuff. And I ju it's just got to wait till December 1st and then it's time. There's something about the music. And you probably wondered, what's the, you know, when was the first Christmas music made? Well, you want to turn to chapter 1 of Luke and verse 46. I think this is it. Uh, this is what we're going to deal with during the Advent season. We're going to look at the... Mary's song, we call it the Magnificat, you've probably heard it, been put to many uh, wonderful composers have put this to music. Uh, uh, I'm not going to sing it, we're just going to read it. Uh, but we're going to look at this for a couple weeks. And then, lesser known, but certainly greatly important, when Zachariah uh, is able to talk with, uh, you remember, had a little mute time there, uh, he gives a song or a prayer at the end of Luke, which is this really good and very Old Testament pointing to the Messiah. We're going to spend a couple weeks in that. And, of course, Christmas Eve, we, you all know this the, the song, right, when the angels come and sing. We're going to hit that one on Christmas Eve. So these are the first songs of Christmas is kind of what we're, we're talking about here. And a little bit of a backstory uh, up to 46. You know, we, we remember a lot of this um, in our Christmas productions. We've done these. We read these texts, we will again this year, because they're so pointed. But remember what happens. Uh, Luke is the only one that gives us this information, um, which is one of the reasons we think maybe Mary was one of his sources. Uh, I'm pretty compelled by that. I think it might, may have happened that way. But remember what happens. It starts off with Elizabeth and Zachariah, and Zachariah is a priest, and uh, they have no children in their advanced in age, past the childbearing years. And then, if you remember in the temple, the, the angel Gabriel, who we hadn't heard from for about uh, 500 years uh, in, in Daniel, uh, he shows up and gives Zechariah this great news. Of course, Zechariah, um, a little bit befuddled, uh, questions a little bit, and gets to be quiet for nine months, which um, is why he finally, when he does speak, it's pretty cool uh, what he's saying. Uh, but if you, so that happens, and then meanwhile, Luke brings us to a little town of Nazareth, and this, this woman named Mary, and all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up again, you know, and uh, you thought this thing with Elizabeth was supernatural. This one's really supernatural. Um, you can read what happened after the angelic visitation at the temple of how John the Baptist was conceived. I'll let you do that. I'm sure most of the adults can figure that out. This is different, isn't it? Um, this one's different. Uh, you, the, this, the, the supernatural virgin birth that Mary uh, is told about. And once she understands that, she heads off and goes to see Elizabeth. I just think this is so cool. You think about the Christmas season, how we, we are so... Uh, joyful sometimes, but it's really a time, and somebody just said that to me uh, today coming in, that sometimes it's tough for people, because, it, you know, you, especially if you've lost someone that you know, or you just, you know, the, the traditions are there, and you know, the emotions are there, and sometimes they're not always a good emotion. Isn't it nice to have other people with you? 
And I think that's maybe, Mary went to someone that probably had a little bit of an understanding of how she might feel. And in that wonderful encounter between Mary and, and Elizabeth, uh, the two pregnant ladies, uh, you know, which I've not experienced that and don't tend to, um, but uh, I'm sure it's, it's quite a, a, a an interesting thing when they got to do that together. And then that's when she sings. You know, this is, this is where we are. So we're going to read this. But before we do that, we're going to read another song. Well, this is going to be a long sermon, isn't it? No, it's actually, we'll be, we'll be done on time. The, uh, this song, and again, I put that, because we don't know if she sang or she hummed or she, you know, was canting. I don't know what she did. But uh, I think she probably did sing. But this is very much patterned after Hannah's song. So if you're welcome to come with me to 1 Samuel. Um, and we will look at her song, and then we'll come back and, and look at, at Mary's, because I think it really does help. Now, if you remember, again, this song, it, it's called Hannah's Prayer, but it, maybe she sucked, I don't know. But same thing had to do with having a kid. If you remember, Hannah was one of the wives of Elkaniah, and he, she couldn't have kids. And, and, and she wanted kids, and she prayed, and she went to the temple and kept trying to get, or the tabernacle at that time, and tried to get, you know, asking God, always staying faithful. And eventually her prayer is heard, and she has Samuel, who she dedicated. She has to bring him back to the temple, and this is the song she sings when she does that. So I'm just going to read through this and, l- and let the scripture speak. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord, and my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none like this holy Lord, for there is none beside you, and there is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full, have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and rises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, And on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, and not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. So that's what she prays. It's a very good prayer. You always wonder about this. You know, uh, there's some songs. We sang some now. Um, when you think about songwriters, uh, whether, they're, whether it's, a, you know, a Christian song or not, you know, we, what do we use the term? They're inspired, right? And I think sometimes people are. We're not saying they're inerrant, but the, I think they're inspired. Some of these songs you see that people, and, and do you think the Holy Spirit, that God is helping Hannah here kind of, understand this and then as you go back to Luke uh, chapter 1 verse 46 do you think the Holy Spirit is helping Mary understand what's going on and flowing through her with song 
She says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That's almost exactly what Hannah said when she started. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. That's just verse 1 of the song. Uh, we're going to do verse 2 next week, uh, but we're going to look at this. She uses the word magnify, and that gets kind of uh, misunderstood sometimes. It's to uh, exalt, uh, to praise, to elevate, to intently focus on. You know, you think, what do you do when you take a magnifying glass? You're looking at something really close. That's what she's talking about. This isn't some sort of weird theology that she somehow makes God better. That's not what she's saying. Uh, she's saying that she, her focus is on the Lord. Uh, and I think that's what we're supposed to do too. That's it. That's what you're here for, right? I hope so. I mean, I hope you're here to focus on Jesus. Um, I hope every sermon you hear, your goal is to get to know God just a little bit better. Not just about him, which is good, but him. This is the way God wants us to do it, looking at his word. And there's emotion here, and that's, I think Christmas does that. Songs do that for us, don't they? I mean, you can get emotional when I read that, but are you more emotional when I, I, I read that really good, right? It's hard, you know, I read this stuff and I'm like, and then we're going to sing a song. <laughs> and I'm like, you can't touch it, can you? There's something about music that touches the heart. And it doesn't have to be, I know as Christians, we got, well, we got Christian music, we got secular music. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, there are some, and, and, and you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder to some extent. But you can, your heart can soar on, on music that doesn't necessarily directly talk about God. You can, there's things that, you know, I, 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 it's interesting, you know, I look around and I see people about my age, and there's some songs that'll come on and you can sing every the cat's in the cradle. Still we can all sing that if we're for my generation. Why? Now, if you had to remember all that without the music, probably wouldn't work. There's something about those two things that God has created it that way. So when you worship, there's something about that emotion that I'm not, I'm, I'm not probably doing a very good job of explaining it, but there's something going on. It's almost mysterious that you can hear a song and it can bring back a memory and give you a hope that nothing else can. Just, just the music, even though the words obviously sometimes help, obviously. Some of those I have in there, and, and you're welcome, I'm not getting any royalties here, but there's, I, I, I just like it because it's, it's the last name, I'm sure it's probably not his real last name, but, but it's his stage name, and it's, it has a Lord of the Rings connection. He, his name is David Arkenstone. And if you know anything about the Lord, you know, oh yeah. And it's all instrumental. But it's so pretty. I just love listening. I, I almost, it, this sermon was birthed and completed listening to him and, and some of that stuff. It's just, it, find those things. And, and if you really like me, you know what I'm talking about. And some people don't like it as much. But I can see who, who we have. What, what is Mary doing? She just got to say something. 
She's got to say something. I mean, she says some really cool things here. She just wants to praise God. You see that in the Psalms sometimes. I like the, Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We've sung that before. You know, bless again, that Baruch word just means to praise, to magnify, to exalt. But I like the, li- oh, Lord, my God, you are very great. <laughs> now, we say that to people when we're trying to sell them something, right? So you really look good. You know, would you like this car? <laughs> but that's not what we're doing here, are we? Because we're, we're praising and, and blessing the one who really, we just can't do it enough. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. I mean, it's just, we, it's, you sing, you know. And I think that's, you get kind of sometimes carried away, especially during Christmas time with angels and archangels, and it's just really, really neat. And I know some music some people like, and if you don't like David Arkenstone, it's not my fault. But you're welcome to, to, to try. And if you have some, I'd love to listen. There's one of them that in, and I know is just like memory lane, but when we were, uh, when we, and I, I do say we, when we were in seminary, because the whole family went, when we went down to Austin, one of the groups that uh, got together was a bunch of different uh, uh, Christian, uh, contemporary Christian groups, like Cayman's Call and Third Day and a lot of those, they all got together and they came up with the City on a Hill uh, album. It was really good because they were singing together and all that kind of stuff. And then they made a Christmas album. I do hope you get that one. City on a Hill. It's really good. It's just, and I listen to that. It makes me think about back the time that our family was in seminary. It's really kind of cool to bring those memories back every time you hear one of those songs. I think that's hopefully will be good for you too. But rejoice. She says, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That's really interesting. More emotion. And this is very similar, like I said, what, what Hannah said. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. That's what they're rejoicing in, God's salvation. And I don't know about you, but Hebrew just looks cool, doesn't it? I mean, it's kind of like uh, artistic, isn't it? it? It goes the other direction. And I don't read it near as well as you might think I do. I can read it, but then I got to go back and now, what was that word again? Uh, but this is Yeshua. That's the word for salvation. It kind of comes off the tongue, Yeshua. Well, we see this in a, in a guy who saved the people, came in and conquered evil in the, in, in the people in Canaan that were being judged by God after 400 years of debauchery and such. Um, Joshua comes in, and Joshua's name is Yehoshua. Yehoshua. It's close. The Lord is salvation. So that's what she's saying. Now, Stay with me here. What language was Hannah most likely speaking when she said? Probably speaking Hebrew. And what language was Mary? Well, either Aramaic or Hebrew, which are very close. They both would have been saying Yeshua. They would be saying that. Well, well, what do you know? The angel, some angel, we don't know if it's Gabriel, Maybe it's Michael or Uriel or Raphael. Or there's, there's seven mentioned in the apocryphal literature. I think there's more than seven. That's from I'm reading the book of Revelation. But some angel comes to Joseph and, and tells him that, you know, it's okay for you to take Mary as your wife because the child within her 
has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and you shall call his name Jesus. Well, like, well, sure, we've seen the movie. Um, but why? For he will save his people from their sins. Because Jesus is the Greek version of Yehoshua. So Jesus' name, mean, name means the Lord is salvation. Very aptly named. I see some of the kids here. A few of, most of them are singing, which is good. After that great thing about singing, they should be, right? Um, when, you, when I do a dedication, I always go into the name. I try to find the Hebrew version, but some of you didn't name your kids with Hebrew names, which neither did I all the time. But, but you find, because a name has meaning, and you can find those things. But this is so cool. Everybody would have known this. There was a lot of people named Jesus back then. That name is fairly popular in the Hispanic, you know, Jesus. Is, and that still means the same thing. It's a, it's a respectful thing. But Jesus was named the Lord of Salvation. But what do they rejoice in? They rejoice that the Lord is salvation. And then you might have missed it at the end of Hannah's song. But she says, he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn. What's the word horn in Hebrew? Is the word for strength. Exalt the strength of his anointed. Do you know what the word anointed means? And there's, isn't that cool? Look at that. I get extra points for this for having all this Hebrew in here, right? You all, uh, tell you what, you're all here, you listen to Hebrew, I'll give you another point today. Thanks for, and it was kind of frosty outside too, so, and you got here. But that's the word Messiah, or the word we get Messiah. So Hannah, I think by the power of the Spirit, sings at the end of her prayer of thanks to Yahweh that he's going to give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his Messiah. And then here we are in 2023 in December, starting an Advent season, focusing on the coming of the Messiah that we focus and sing about. And way back, way long before that, probably around 1100 B.C., Hannah already knew it because the Spirit had told her that. And Mary picks that up. So you can see, Mary has had an angelic visitation, and she was going to be the mother of the Messiah who was going to be our salvation. Hannah had been barren, and she has been told by God that she's going to have a very, very important child by the name of Samuel. Well, that's really something to sing about, isn't it? I see some women here. Do you all sing right after the baby's born? <laughs> Nobody threw anything, so that's good. <laughs> I'm thinking this is a little bit after the birth thing. You know, she's probably a little more happy about that. But Joy. We talk about that a lot, don't we? Joy. How do you define it? Well, you know what? Here at e the Gracie Free Church, because your pastor is a geek, we have defined it. We have a whole working definition. It's on our website if you want to look at it. We got this. Some of you are here that I know that we're through this. I know Kim, Patty, some of you were here, Wayne. This was what we got from, remember when we studied Philippians? I wrote down what y'all came up with, you know. This is, this is what we came with, up with together of what joy meant from a biblical perspective. And I think it just fits so well when we look at this text. Joy is an ongoing inner strength, or you could use the word horn there if you wanted. Murmur. Wake you up. Think about that. Every time I honk at somebody, I'm just saying, hey, have strength. 
My wife would have never believed that. <laughs> anyway, an ongoing inner strength and feeling of contentment. So there is, and, and we hit this really hard, because we, we got this, you, you probably know the verse. Anybody, I'll, I'll give you an extra point if you get this. Philippians 4.4. 4. Something do it, Joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And how does that make you feel when you're going through a tough time? If somebody comes up to me and says, you know, you just need to rejoice in the Lord, I'm like, why don't you just shut up? You don't know how I feel. <laughs> but I'm a, I don't say that. I do think that. Um, and again, they're well-meaning. I realize that. But an ongoing inner strength and feeling, there's an emotion here, of contentment in the soul, nourished by and inseparable from true salvation in Christ. I think that's a really good definition. This is what we call a working definition. Maybe we'll get better, but it's not inerrant. But I think it does a good inductive job of looking at what the joy is in all of the scriptures. Now that makes sense. Rejoice, we forget that little prepositional, in the Lord. It's not saying you rejoice because of all your circumstances but you rejoice in the circumstances because you have salvation. I know it's kind of cliche to say it's almost a pastorism. They can't take this away from you. They can kill the body, but they can't take away your salvation. It's not within their power. And so if they can't take away our stuff, they can't take away our joy. And I've, I think myself and even you guys, I'm sure you've had times when the emotion, the feeling, it may be contentment, but it's not necessarily even good. It's a little bit despair. But it's still joy because it's couched in the salvation that we have in Christ. I guess that Psalm 23 kind of comes to mind. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are still with me. That's emotional, you know, but he's with us in the emotion. Who's the one that decided for us to have emotion? Right? I got emotional last night. I figured out if we would have just knelt down and punted every time, we only got beat 10 to nothing. That was emotional. Well, but my point is you get emotional because of something. If you just get emotion because of no reason, that just doesn't make you, know, they probably got a padded cell for you. But there, if you can remember, oh, that, that's, that's, it, it sounds you know, kind of like, oh, yeah, but that is it, isn't it? It's the fact that Jesus is the one we follow, and we have that, and nobody can take that away from us. That should always make us content. And sometimes we may feel good or bad about that, but we know it's true. And the feeling, good feeling will come. Not in this life and the next. But we just need to keep reminding each other. Both of these women show great humility. Uh, I almost wore my I am humble shirt today, but I didn't want to mess up our Advent thing. But that, this is key, isn't it? When you go back to that definition, how much of that is because of you? How much of your self, true salvation in Christ is because you were special? Because you did the work? No, it's because he did. That's why we call it Grace. And you see how all these go together, you know, you don't have joy without true grace, and you won't have peace without the grace either, and if you don't understand the love, you'll never get back 
to the joy. They all kind of work together. But both of these women were kind of humble in the way we talk about it, you know, not, not looked on as being all that important. But, whoa, how many other people that are 2,000 years old are we talking about? Or in Hannah's case, 3,000 years old. That's one old lady. But why are we talking? Because of her faith. Because of her being used by God in a, such a great way. And, and to finish up with, with verse 50, I think sometimes we, we misunderstand this word too. Uh, in verse 50, she says, He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Well, that's 51. It's a good one, though. We'll start that next week. 50 is, and his mercy is for those who fear him. And I hear that word fear, and I think, oh, my. Fear. You know, it's one of the things even the secular psychologists are good at this, aren't they? What are you afraid of? What do they call it when you're afraid of something that's not logical? A phobia. That's the word. <laughs> and I think that's really what, should you be afraid of God? This is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it says in Psalms. It says a couple times in Psalms, once in Proverbs. And we miss this. The fear of the Lord, the L-O-R-D, Yahweh, um, is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It must not necessarily be the end of it, right? If you think of who God is, knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Can you think back with me when... Moses was on the mountain, and the mountain was glowing and rumbling. And God says, come up here. And it said Moses was afraid. Why was Moses afraid? Because he should have been. Hebrews tells us it's a fearful thing to come into the hands of a mighty God. It's the idea that it starts out that you recognize who God is and then you recognize who you are. And if you're really doing that truthfully, there might be a lot of things you feel, but one will be humility. <laughs> That's why the shirt, I am humble, all you have to do is look at God and that should make you humble. And that's what these, these women are doing. They know they don't deserve this and since they were the women and they, you know, I'm sure they were really good women. Probably compare them to other women, they probably were better. I don't know. But that's not why they got chosen. They got chosen because God loved them. And so we start out like Moses. It's like, I don't want to approach this. Remember what the people did once they saw that? They're like, Moses, you go up there. We're going to stay over here. Because we've seen what can happen when we go over there. People get burnt up. So it is wise to be fearful of God. But the problem is when we just make God a rule giver and not someone who loves us, that's unhealthy. That's not what we're supposed to say. It's the beginning of all wisdom. It's not the end of it. An unhealthy fear of God will result only in terror and withdrawal. Because when you see it, think about Peter. 
when he realized that Jesus was something more than just a rogue preacher when he had that big catch of fish. What does he do? He gets on his knees, get away from me. Why? Because I'm a sinful man. You know, I, I don't deserve you. And Jesus doesn't say it, but he implies it. He's like, nope, you don't. I've heard people say, you know, with communion, it's like, well, we're, I'm not worthy to take communion. I'm like, bingo, now you're ready. No, but you do it because of grace. You do it because God asks us. So that's unhealthy to stay there. If you fear God, great. It's the beginning of you understand who he is. And after humility, what do you start, what did he say? I'm a sinful man. He's guilty. Remember we said that before. John Calvin, great theologian, was asked, how do I know if I'm saved? And he said, do you feel guilty when you sin? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. He is the one that holds your whole eternity in his hands. Isn't it really cool that Jesus shows us what his character is like? He's not perfectly holy only. He's also perfectly loving. Isn't that cool? What a great God. Let's sing. We're going to in a minute. Just a minute. A couple more lines. So uh, unhealthy fear is you have no, there's a separation there. You don't want to approach. I'm not worthy. You realize that. I wonder if Judas felt that. Fear. Probably felt guilt, but he didn't do anything with it. Peter probably felt that too when he denied him, but he did do something with it. A healthy fear of God elicits respect, awe, and humility. And you really want to get closer. You kind of want to go slow because you don't want to get burnt up. But Jesus allows you to go into the presence of God without getting burnt up. He's like the hazmat suit or whatever it is. He's, like, he's, he's able to let us go in there. I don't know if that's ever been an analogy I've used. But he's the way. He protects us. He allows us in. We're going to finish with Psalm 33 and then, then Matthew 6, which is one you know, but it's, it's still kind of cool in this respect. As we look at these songs, we're going to sing one more song about the glory of God. You know, it's just, as we talked with the kids, and I know I've said it before, but sometimes, isn't it amazing that we get to call God Father? I mean, that is, that's really gracious that we get to have that connection with Him. I sought the Lord, and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Isn't that cool? That's emotional. I'd probably even have joy, right? So what are we supposed to do then? Are we supposed to seek the Lord? Are we supposed to be fearful? Well, we're supposed to seek Him always. But why? Well, we're supposed to seek the kingdom of God, His rule in our lives first. Because even though we call Jesus Savior, and He is, He's also King. Even the wise men got it right. We have come to find the king of the Jews. Well, not just the king of the Jews, was he? But we seek him and his righteousness. And remember, every time you see that word in the Bible, that is a relational word. It's not just about keeping rules. It's about having con connection with God through the power of the Spirit, having joy and contentment and salvation. Then the rules will take care of themselves. And what happens if you screw up? Confess your sins. 
and he is faithful and just. Do you feel guilty when you sin? Well, that you've got an advocate in Christ. Get that this Christmas. Always. I know a lot of you already have it, but sometimes we forget. And then the rest of the stuff will be, will take care of itself, right? It'll be added to you. Because the one who calls you a Savior and Lord is the one who will sustain you through your life. Let us pray. Father, as we look at to this song of Mary, uh, the emotion she must have felt, the joy she must have felt, knowing that you showed her your mercy. She realized humbly that she was going to be used by you in such a great way. It makes sense that she exalted you. As we continue in song and about you and about your son who makes all the difference, may we remember what true joy is. And it's couch in the contentment that we get only from having that salvation we get from the only Savior, Jesus our Lord.